Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Political Dysfunction. You got your regularly scheduled hosts, Hunter Fox here, and we got Tyson Reese, and we're in person together for this yeah, one. We are, and it's uh, it's been a while since we've been together. It's well, not actually. It, it hasn't. Been. Last time we did the show, it was a while, but now it hasn't been. This is the first time we've ever done the show in person, right? Yeah together it is heck yeah so this is going to be a little bit different uh a little mix up a little bit more casual i think yeah it is but yeah we saw each other recently because we were in we were in nashville wasn't that a good time we were in nashville and what were we in nashville for tyson it was for your future fest uh, students for liberty it's their convention every year and heck uh, yeah it, it was in nashville which is a great city it was a lot of fun and yeah this was the first inaugural for your future fest they usually do liberty con, liberty con every year but this year, due to, I mean, everything that's going on with COVID and all that, they decided to be, decided to play it safe and do an outdoor event. And actually, I think it went really well. Gotten a little bit of the insider information on it and that uh, a lot of positive reviews so far. We had some live streams going on that cumulative from total streams. We got around 600,000 viewers from the live streams. So that's pretty insane to get half a million people listening to SFL's programming. And yeah, overall, just fantastic time in Nashville. Yeah, it was super good. It was a great event. You know, it was a, it was a baseball stadium. Yeah. They had comedians. <laughs> yeah. uh, they had great speakers talking about the free market and oh, yeah. capitalism. And it was, it was, it was really good. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great event. SFL did a really good job and the media outreach is really good. So yeah. I, I think it was a pretty dang successful event. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to see what goes on in the future. I'm yeah. uh, as part of my new position in SFL. I'm a large event assistant as well. So next wow. year is going to be even better. Yeah, that's going to be super cool. Then yeah, you'll yeah. get to do all sorts of different stuff with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you do a current event this time around, or did you? Yeah, I mean, let's go for a current event. So uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this this little known currency called Bitcoin, but Bitcoin reached an all-time high a couple days ago on the 22nd. It beat its previous all-time high by $1. Um, but it's a good sign. It's showing that it's growing. And uh, buy Bitcoin. Yeah, I gotta, I'm a fan of the cryptocurrency. I like anything that undermines the dollar, really. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a huge fan of the dollar. Tyson's into those scam coins, like the, the dog coin or something. It's know. a meme coin. I don't know what these kids are into these look, days. <laughs> look. To me, I don't look at stocks like numbers. I look at stocks like it's a social pattern. Okay. So I see, you know, the future, you know, kids our age, the Zoomers, mm-hmm. we are getting interested in this stuff hyperly, like more than other generations before us. Sure. And uh, and we've had a huge shift in our culture, I think. And so, um, you know, I think that, um, honestly, the meme coin is going to catch on. I think it's so, going to embody the up-and-coming people of the world. What I do think is interesting... Um, Dogecoin, so there is no cap, so there's no limit mm-hmm. to inflation. Yeah. The mining rate is really fast right mm-hmm. now. So, like, it doesn't have, like, the, the structure. It doesn't have, like, the structure that yeah. you want from a, a solid cryptocurrency for it to actually challenge the dollar like Bitcoin can. Well, I'm not planning on really Dogecoin challenging the dollar. I'm just planning on Bitcoin making the dollar crash and then cryptocurrency explodes. Okay. That's so you're I just in it for, happen. like, uh, it's, it's just going to be. Like an alternative currency eventually. It's basically so I'm ready when we stop freaking messing with the dollar. <laughs> okay. 
Interesting. So Bitcoin is going to be I've like got the, some silver too. <laughs> Bitcoin's the bomb that blows up the dollar, and then you're yeah. just you've got like insurance policies and other cryptocurrencies. I mean, how is it not? How is it not the bomb when it blows up? Oh the no, dollar? absolutely I mean, no, no, for sure. So, I one hundred percent believe that I just Bitcoin think, is going to blow up the dollar. I just think it doesn't even take all those other guys. Like, I mean, they're great. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm into the crypto yeah. trading, but uh, Bitcoin just you know exponentially has you know a jump on the dollar. Sure. You know, compared to any other. I mean, when it's worth sixty thousand dollars for one Bitcoin, like obviously, obviously, it used to be worth like fifteen. Yeah. It used to be worth like fifteen hundred, and now it's just absolutely exploded. I saw this uh, this tweet chain a couple of days ago that said this is uh or it's it's crazy that you guys are really taking a chance on bitcoin at six dollars and fifty cents and then <laughs> the next tweet below it was it's crazy that you guys are taking it uh, taking a chance on bitcoin at 65 dollars <laughs> and then it kept going in increments of 10 and now it's at almost sixty five thousand. yeah that's so, ridiculous and it's true it really just exponentially grew like that yeah it's just it's going places bitcoin is going to be it's going to be like the the new world currency like it already is. Yeah. El Salvador adopted it as their currency. Actually, actually, I yeah. did not know that El Salvador's currency because they use well, they adopted it as a national currency. Okay. And so they they El Salvador since their market crashed, I think in the early two thousands, have been using the U S dollar because oh. hyperinflation wrecked their economy. So they just tied theirs to ours. And uh, I mean, yeah, that makes sense that that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> And so after hyperinflation, they went to the dollar, and then just earlier this year, they adopted Bitcoin as a new um, national currency, which has its benefits and its drawbacks. With it being a recognized national currency, uh, places in El Salvador are now required to accept Bitcoin, which... Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So it... uh, it has a little bit of downside, but overall, I think it's great, and it's a good sign that, that different governments who aren't as corrupt as ours. I mean, they're probably just as corrupt, but aren't as... Uh, it's not as big of a deal. <laughs> they're not, they're, I, I would say they're corrupt, but they're not as tied to the structural banking system. Yeah, that's a good so way So our that, politicians yeah. are, love the Fed, and they love the Treasury Department of Treasury and all that. All those conglomerate banks that make up the national bank. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so it's it's cool to see a government taking a chance and actually, you know, grabbing Bitcoin. It's kind of like the gold standard, if you think about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we've completely changed the, the way that we live and we're going into this incredibly technologically advanced society now. Uh, yeah, I mean, the gold standard, right, mm-hmm. would change. And that gold is now pretty much equivalent to Bitcoin. Yeah. It, it's interesting even for a young guy like myself i mean i'm old compared to tyson but for a young guy like myself to wrap my head around nfts and bitcoin and all this stuff having actual monetary value um because if you think about the gold standard like obviously gold is scarce or gold was scarce (laughs) until fdr (laughs) until fdr when gold was scarce tying your currency to something like gold makes a lot of sense because of the scarcity yeah but when you think about cryptocurrency, yes, Bitcoin is scarce because there is a finite amount of Bitcoin. It just doesn't, ones and zeros don't mean the same thing to me as gold. Yeah, I mean, you could physically use gold in a yeah. in a computer, and I totally understand that. Um, I'm not sure exactly like what it is that like a cryptocurrency physically is. I think like they they I think it's an algorithm or something. So like well, that. so it's an it's a one Bitcoin is like an equation. And so okay. you you need like these 
rows and rows of computers working at max power and everything to break down this equation and solve this equation. And they get increasingly harder each time. So the first, let's say the first Bitcoin, for example, was one plus one. You get your answer and then you get this address, basically, that is your Bitcoin. And mm. so it's based off the blockchain, which stuff that I don't understand incredibly, but it, it all gets down to you have this unique number that is your share of Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. that See, I, so it's kind of like the... Uh, I my coworker was telling me about this the other day, but it's like these internet like like tokens you can buy where it's like NFTs. NFTs, yeah. NFTs. That's the weirdest thing. You you did mention that before. Those are Yeah. I can I can see the comparison there because it really has no useful immediate value. So, the thing about NFTs, and I've had this conversation with one of my roommates a ton. He thinks they're a huge scam, and I can see his his understanding yeah, of that. Yeah, I would never pay for something like that. The thing is I think too many people are looking at NFTs as an investment when really you're just paying for a piece of art. And so like it's it's kind of a super consumerist idea yeah. and it's really post postmodern. Mhm. But like you're it's just a new way to buy but art. But it's it's I like that it's societal based and action based rather than government based. Yeah. Either way, you know, it's I think, using crypto to buy art. So yeah, that's cool. Which I, is I all think the concept just... of the functionality of the currency, like, almost makes it freer of manipulation from an entity that controls it. Yeah. If if it doesn't really have value. Yeah. And it's like it's kind of like, it's similar to the invisible hand. Yeah. You know, when it's just like, oh, we just choose to believe in it as a society. Right. The government made you believe in it. <laughs> right, you could do something else, but it's like everyone just chose to believe in it. I do think it's really cool that we're all actively like right now we're deciding to give the Bitcoin value because yeah. like it's it's the most capitalist thing ever. Like yeah, it is. Bitcoin is economics 101 where it only has value because we decide it has value. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's that's really true. Um, and it's it's yeah, it's even farther away than pretty much almost anything that has value yeah. honestly it's just a totally different it's thing it's numbers we're giving value to these numbers and we're you we're basically replacing our currency with these numbers yeah and i think that's awesome because that's all the government is doing it's, yeah well but now we actually have a choice in it. now but now we have a choice in it yeah yeah i think that it's a good societal reform like i yeah. think that it really shows kind of like the spirit of the people absolutely you know and it doesn't matter like you don't have to be you know, libertarian or crazy Republican or even democratic to want to undermine the dollar and stuff. But like, this is kind of something that regular people are, are in on and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, it's not even about necessarily your political beliefs, but it's about like the, the main spirit of the people. And I think a big driving factor is, have you seen all those memes where it's like, is like, yeah, cryptocurrency is a scam. Who would want to believe, or who would want to uh, invest in a currency that like, half of the half of the currency or half of the total amount in circulation was printed in like the last two years or something like that yeah. and then it's like it's the u.s dollar yeah because what i don't know it's it's like half of total u.s dollars it's 40 percent 40 percent 40 percent 40 percent of total dollars in circulation were printed in the last like year or two years since covid really that's that was, awful it's insane yeah that i mean it's Oh, man. And we're talking about 5% inflation this year. Do you know what that... Oh, my gosh. Do you know where this is going? Dude. 40% inflation. Dude, it's going to 
the Great Depression again. Yeah. And we're gonna, you know what? What do you know? What I'm scared of. What? I'm scared we're gonna get an even worse FDR. Uh, I think it'd be hard, dude. I do think I Bernie think, could have almost been that guy. He still could be that guy. Biden was supposed to be that guy. Biden, a lot of people feel that Biden was elected to be that guy. And Biden's a puppet for the state because the Democratic <laughs> Party doesn't know what they want to do. Biden's the problem a, is Biden is a walking corpse. The problem is, yeah. So here's the deal with I Biden. Mean, I think Biden a is, Biden's a placeholder for now. Yeah. Right? Obviously, the Democratic Party is probably going to start taking the cake on the issues, right? I think, you know, we all know, or the parties will change, but the Progressive Party is going to stay the leading party. Like that's. It's fundamental in its roots, you know, we're not going to stay, society changes, we're not going to stay as, you know, uh, agricultural. Well, people did think about that in the, like, 2008, around the recession, they thought that of the Tea Party, they thought that the Tea Party was going to be the new Republican Party, hmm. and really, and now today, Tea Party is, is an ancient the, term, it's not, the, yeah, and so like, is the Tea Party is kind of like the populist party, I'd say. Yeah, and those a lot of those Tea Partiers are now Trumpers, and so like, they're, which they're is populist. populist. It yeah. is populist, but the thing is, populist is kind of statist. It it's well, yes, but it's it's just the norm now. Like, politics yeah. are populist. Yeah, period. no, they have to be. They like it's kind of like it. it basically, kind of means that like you're a right winger, but you want to play the game. Yeah, and that's what politicians do is they just play the game yeah it's uh yeah it's uh, interesting yeah i never really uh understood using the state as a tool to protect the people because it, it never works that way and when it does everyone's rights get violated the thing is i don't think there's ever been an example in a, in world history before the united states of a government structured like ours and so when we go into it and thinking back to revolutionary times, obviously people are basing, they say they don't like monarchies, right? Mm -hmm. Monarchies are what they knew with, with the English empire, with basically the French empire, with all of the empires around the world, they knew monarchies don't seem good. So let's yeah. try and make something that's not a monarchy. But the thing is, if monarchies are all you know, then you're going to be basing a lot of your stuff on on monarchies. Right. And so m the position of the monarchy, like going back to like feudal states and stuff, is to protect, I say that with air quotes, but to protect the citizenry. And so mm. what are you going to do when you adapt a new government is you're going to have some of those similar themes where we're mm -hmm. going to create this huge federal government to protect our citizenry. But we're out of an age where we don't have different empires knocking on our doors right. we don't need knights to protect us we're done fighting like that we're done fighting. Like, i think i think that i think humanity as stupid as i think we are for having these <laughs> destructive weapons that really no no one in society like if, if, if someone in society has acquired atomic bomb society has failed and allowing that to happen in one way or another wait but if I want an atomic bomb, I know can I the have principles one? there. If, if if some if one person can have an atomic bomb, then no, I do think that the invention of the atomic bomb was probably Amer like the world's biggest failure. Yeah, just the fact that we needed something like that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, honestly though, I think that uh, I don't know. It's kind of I'm trying to think about. I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there. Tyson's on the it's, top of his game today. He's uh, doing real well. Oh, it's totally. I remember I talked to people about this, and I'm like, um, 
you know, people are like, well, you know, the founding fathers weren't anarcho-capitalists. And I'm like, well, no one had really even got to that yeah. point at all. <laughs> it's like, like, let's, let's go another 100 years, 150 years before that term was even, like, developed. Yeah. Like... It's like they yeah. weren't a lot of things. They certainly weren't socialists, but they were like they were principled. Yeah, honestly, they were just. I I would I would really like to live in like the early eighteen hundreds, like the late seventeen hundreds, where people were just living. Like the thing is, kind they of like yeah, they didn't they didn't like it wasn't a government established land, so it was just kind of like yeah, society's gonna go figure this out. Yeah, like. They weren't so worried about what they were doing, whether it was socialist or whether it was capitalist or anything. Like, they were just doing whatever worked at the time, and like in in the yeah. early, early like post revolutionary oh, yeah. period. Well, yeah, it's like yeah, totally different. Uh, like they're just figuring stuff out. I mean, it was before two industrial revolutions, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very different world back then. It was like uh, we were sophisticated tree dwellers in a way. We were just bartering and I mean, like we had great buildings don't get me wrong but it's just i mean we are sophisticated tree dollars we, we still day, are but. yeah i mean this house is basically tree right it's made of trees yeah. <laughs> um yeah interesting interesting way that it that the technology just exploded like that and you know those are the some of the biggest uh you know as society progressed progressives uh, began thinking that well, since society's changing, we need the government to come in and control these new things that they didn't even thought about beforehand that don't adhere to any principles they had established. Yeah, and I on like lately, I've lately as in like the last year or so, I try to look at somebody, and because this is my biggest qualm with having political discussions with people, is too many people. Uh, like demonize you because of your ideas or because of your thoughts and think yeah. like because I don't agree with you you are a bad person right and so right off the bat I don't like having political discussions with people because being a libertarian I, and being a, a pretty devout libertarian I disagree with a lot of people on a lot of things mm -hmm. and I disagree with the status quo to with a lot of things and yeah. so like I I th it's hard to look back at people like FDR and think, based off of his policies, FDR must have been Lucifer himself. Like, like he just burnt this country down, mm -hmm. extended the Great Depression by eight years, yeah. took a war to get us out of it. And then so, basically, like, tore up the foundation and then made, put down an even crappier foundation on the back of the government. Exactly. And so the thing is, like, I try to look at these people and I don't want to demonize them. I don't want to say, like, oh... This man just wanted to wanted more control. I try to think of them like try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Think they wanted to get out of this Great Depression as much as anybody else, because don't you think FDR would have been a much better president if or would have been remembered as much better of a president if we could say FDR got us out of the Great Depression? Well, that's exactly what they do. Exactly, but they we want, but he didn't. I mean, no, he he prolonged. If anybody it. did, Eisenhower got it. us out of the Great Depression, but yeah, because he just well, I mean, it was the with the foundation that FDR laid. You know, yeah. they just started creating government weapons. Well, and yeah, the military-industrial complex got us out of the Great Depression. That the, what an amazing just <laughs> wow! Um, they did such a great thing for us. Yeah, that thing, that whole monster, uh, and, and then you got the FDR alphabet soup. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, how much? That's so much money. That's why the national debt looks crazy. Yeah, and just to think, like, how much money it was back then, 
versus like how much money it would be today. Yeah. Like when you look at history books and you see how much FDR spent during reconstruction or not reconstruction, what was it called after? Um, the just just during the alphabet soup program. Yeah, yeah. Just how much money he spent, and you see like, oh yeah, they spent like millions and billions of dollars. But today, that's trillions of dollars. Yeah, it's like an obscene amount. Yeah, it was it was a massive. And well, not to mention that FDR took what ninety five percent of the world's gold. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, locked it up. Whew, there goes the gold prices. Took another thirty or forty years later for Nixon. Was it Nixon that abolished the gold up. standard? Took yeah, took it off the yeah thirty five dollars. Like, wait, so what happened to all this gold? Like, is, is it just sitting somewhere? Like, we can't base our yeah yeah. And, and that's the question is you don't know, right? Because they took it, hit it away. You'll never know where the freak the gold yeah. is. You'll never even they think about it. They probably sold it. It's probably some president Somewhere. profited off of it. Yeah, right. It's like you, I, I feel like there's tons of like bullcrap little secrets like that that they have to deal with. And it's like they all got dirt on each other. So like, yeah. they're, like Trump's not going to out Obama for being the guy to do that. <laughs> that's why I want to be president because I want to know all those secrets. Would you expose them to the world? Oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah. I would have, uh, like, FDR had those, um, what were they, the fireside chats? Mm. I'd have those fireside chats, but I'd just be reading through a book of secrets. <laughs> just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. today, we're going to go over Truman and everything that Truman did during his presidency. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't pick I got. I just recently had a... Coolidge Dawes 1924 shirt coming. Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I'm going to be wearing that thing soon. Yeah. <laughs> Coolidge is based. People want to blame Coolidge for the Great Depression, but Coolidge literally had a booming economy. He was the reason for the Roaring Twenties. I think you have to blame a little bit of everybody that came before, right? Because it, it wasn't... It was hardly a single action that caused the run on the banks and the stock market crash and all that stuff. Like it was, it was building for a while. It, it was, it was the, the government intervention in the 1890s by Teddy Roosevelt coming back to haunt. Yeah. That Teddy Roosevelt, as much as I love how much he, uh, he's a cool dude. He's done That's for conservation. Yeah. But he definitely did not help with how much he expanded. Yeah. And especially with foreign policy too. Yeah. Um, do you ever, uh, I forgot what I was going to say again. I go on these little. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, well, this is. Uh... Oh, no. No, see, I lost it again. I don't know. <laughs> well, this was all just my current event, guys. So you got a good 22 minutes off of Bitcoin. Yeah, but... <laughs> well, this is kind of what we were planning on doing anyway. Yeah, no, we right? didn't want to make this just a casual show and just, just chat and see where it goes. Yeah. What do you think about um, privatizing the courts? Privatizing the courts? Dude, I love these privatization conversations because, like, so I'm an incrementalist, right? Mm -hmm. I'm more of a political libertarian than I am a philosophical libertarian. And so I spend most of my time thinking about where we are right now and incremental changes that we can make in a better direction. But stuff like privatizing the courts is like a, in my head, it's like a way down the road kind of thing. Hmm. Either it's yeah. way down the road or the whole system just burns down, the boog hits, well, you and don't, we have to restart. You don't, trust the, you don't trust the markets on the courts? It's not saying that I don't trust the markets. It's saying that like it's just a topic that I haven't came across. I, I think that um, 
I can understand like it being one of those things that people like fundamentally think like, well, this is a role of government, you know, so we have to make sure, you know, if we're like, it's a minarchist point of view yeah. to anarchists, it's like the process downward, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you know, if, if the government's here to, you know, if we're going to have a government, which we can't, you know, take away one of the most important parts of the government and justice, right? And, uh, you know, take care of that. Um, so, you know, we're going to need to go ahead and, um, you know, do it a little bit slower process and just take out the courts. So, but the thing with that is that we have a huge criminal justice problem and an incarceration problem. Absolutely. Right. So I think that first of all, it'd be better to trust the market with this kind of thing because philosophically, most people are pretty laissez-faire when it comes to how they handle other people when they are, you know, doing things they don't necessarily like. So I think it'd be okay for the most part. But the other thing I've kind of tried to come to realize is uh, if you love what the government, like if you love something that is the government's job, like, and you think it should be done job, then you'd want the government not to touch that thing because it screws up everything that it touches. So, um, but I think the best ad- advantage of privatizing the courts would be um, you're at least not going to have a prosecutor prosecuting people for victimless crimes. You're not going to have a body going around and trying to catch people doing things that created no victims. And so I think that'd be the biggest immediate benefit from privatizing the courts. What does a privatized court look like to you? Like just a, there's a company that, yeah, it's like a company that runs a court, you know, and you pay for, um, it'd be a lot of arbiters of course as well, but, um, a private court would, um, basically come, you know, the victim would go to the court and claim, uh, you know, so-and-so stole from me or, you know, so-and-so did this. And then they would go through the, the private courts and, um, they would basically have the standards on determining if that person did that other person wrong and created a victim. And then uh, the agenda would then be restitution to the victim. So one of my biggest issues with the criminal justice system today is in, um, like our treatment of convicts. Yeah. So what I don't want is cause it's so easy for the the um for the market to manipulate people in that position. So like let's say we have all of these people convicted of crimes mm-hmm. by a private oh. by a private well judge. It's not necessarily in favor of jails per se or incarcerated people. It's about it's about in, rather than punishment, right? The focus should be on the the wrong being done right. So um it's it's not focusing necessarily on rehabilitation more than it's focusing on uh, restitution to the victim. So restitution is only half of it, though. When we have like a sixty percent recidivism rate in the United States, I think it's it might even be higher. I'm just off the top of my head, but like sixty percent of convicts are gonna when they get released from prison, they're gonna go back to jail. Yeah. Well, how many of those are repeat, repeat drug offenses? At That's the same true. time, you would have you would have you know, uh, private companies that would, you know, offer, I mean, you already do have, you know, rehabilitation. In fact, there's really uh, tons of issues that, you know, the government making it illegal makes it worse. And honestly, like the market is really trying to function to fix the drug problem, but the problems are, you know, that it was never taught in a safe manner. It was taught, um, you know, in through there, which is scare tactics. So people don't know how to do it safely and it's legal. So you can't sell state stuff and the market is trying to save it, but the government is still killing it. So another issue with privatization of courts would be, so basically it would be like an arbitration thing where it's like judge Judy, mm-hmm. where judge Judy isn't an actual court. It's like, it's small claims. You mm-hmm. bring it in, you decide to uh, do whatever the arbiter arbiter says. 
Yeah, there'd my, be a lot of petty little things like that. Well, that, but my issue would be, what about the people who can't afford it? Well, you would have, you know, all sorts of different... Well, first of all, you, your idea would be that, you know, um, you've got private welfare and, you know, ways to kind of keep people above that line as a society. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so the idea is that, you know, you don't have, you know, poor people who can't do it. But even, you know, let's say that there are poor people that, that you know, can't afford the courts. Um, I'm more than certain that there are uh, ways to settle disputes that uh, may be minor in a easier way, um, probably through an arbiter. But I also think that there would probably be funds to, you know, help people. You know, I could see that being a commercial in the future, you know, help people get their problems resolved, uh, you know, donate to justice and stuff like that. And it'll show, you know, I think our society has a real care for justice. And um, I think that, you know, we believe voluntarily that everyone should get it. Not necessarily that it should be destroyed by the uh, entity that um, operates on coercion. But I think that justice is an important virtue to our society. And I think that, um, you know, we would do a good job in keeping it afloat, whether that was, you know, giving those people um, help where they needed it, um, funds to do that, or even people just voluntarily arbiting. Because I, I can see people doing that as well. Yeah. Or even um, nonprofits, you could say, you know, it would be a little bit of a di different dynamic without the government. But, um, you know, you'd have a f more foundation type um, businesses rather than, you know, Microsoft per se. Yeah. I like the idea. I like it a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, any, anything that takes away from the government and gives back to the market is, is good in my book. Yeah. Just what, what do you think like the, like, how do you establish one of these private courts? Like what's the, the pro like, what would the process be like to get it recognized as like a, well, you'd have a public record that you'd keep, you know, people would, you know, it's kind of like a Google reviews or whatever, you know, you want to see, but like uh, I could start a court right now. Right. Or would I have to get like certifications? Like certifications no, it would be, state? it doesn't, it's, it's entrepreneurship and it's perfect effect because there's no reason that you should have to pay to be able to explore an interest that you have. But at the same time, if you're a very just person and you're very good at dissecting situations and figuring out what deserves to happen, then um, you should be able to compete in that market. There's no, yeah. there's no reason that, um, that that person, if they're found extremely judged by society, shouldn't be allowed to reflect that in his practice of solving disputes throughout society. Mm -hmm. And so, that kind of, that kind of goes towards the scam that is law school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, there's, it really should not take this much money in this many years to go and explain to someone why you're right. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense, like, and and we use the the standard in criminal law where, or not criminal law, in civil law where it's uh, the reasonable person standard. And so, like, would a reasonable person assume this based off of your actions? And so, like, all that should take is a reasonable person. That doesn't, you don't need a judge with 30 years of law experience yeah. to determine that. Yeah. If we're basing things off of a reasonable person standard, then it should take a reasonable person. At the very worst, right? But you're also going to have social trends that are going around. And you, I think you're going to see um, increased support for people that are truly just and, and for people that are kind of able to, you know, really understand those situations and, and frankly does a good job. I think the biggest point that we've kind of glided over on this is that uh, it would virtually eliminate victimless crimes. It, it would eliminate victimless crimes. Because if there's no victim, then there's nobody to bring that person to the court. Yeah. And so, like, there isn't... It, but for things like murder, 
does that mean I can just go around killing people that don't have any next of kin? No, well, not them? necessarily. I mean, they're gonna have friends and stuff like that. I don't, I don't see why you would want to go. <laughs> I think the people that want to kill will kill anyways. Um, but you know, again, there's gonna be private funds for these kind of things. There's gonna be foundations, and um, no, honestly, I think that um, a lot of these problems, like the homelessness, are are created by government intervention in the market. And I think this stuff would heal themselves. Um, I think that as a society, like I think we truly all do believe that um, no one, you know, deserves to live a hellish life, right? So, but the government, the problem is, is the government makes it so hard for us to do anything because we get taxed the same amount as a communist country and we're still the most generous nation in the world. So, yeah. um, I think that, you know, if we, if we saw any of these problems, I think that the spirit of the American people, um, would, would want to change it. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't think people are, you know, I don't think people would go around killing. I mean, maybe they <laughs> would, but even then, right. So where, where are these people getting killed at these kins? Uh, these people, I don't know, say they just get shot in the street. In the street? They're homeless people, we'll say, yeah. Who owns the street? Uh, well, if in your... Um, it's Ankapistan. <laughs> this is all run by the market, we'll say. Okay, so basically Walmart owns this street. Walmart doesn't want people getting murdered on their street, so Walmart sues this person? Um, that's a way to do it. There's also um, ways that you, you know, private policing. Okay. So Walmart hires out of private police firm to catch people who are the road on the street. People who own the road, right? You're yeah. you're still gonna have speed limits, yeah. Right? You're not gonna have no speed limits. It's just gonna be who owns the road is gonna set Wait, the speed limits. Are private police pigs too, or? No, it's private property. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if you don't like security at a venue, don't go watch the show. Right. You know, if you all right, maybe you don't want to take the road. Maybe you want to take the subway. Maybe you want to ride your bike. Maybe there's this new jetpack that you can take. Right. Like, you, know, you don't have FAA, to go on the road. The FAA is dissolved, so you can just fly now. <laughs> the government. The problem is the government's monopolized travel. They force all of their public travel to the same routes and same roads. At least you know the train yeah. tracks run right by the roads, or all the buses are on the roads and stuff. So uh, they've monopolize all the travel to one source um and so it's uh it's 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 going to be taken up you know and i think it's going to be innovated uh really well because a company is going to get to focus on that instead of a billion other things yeah you know i i love these conversations that just go like i love privatization conversations mm -hmm. because it's really just entrepreneurial like it's entrepreneurial thought yeah where like how would how would you solve this problem Right. Like if I give you a million dollars, how do you privatize the roads? Well, and that's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like, I guess how I kind of see libertarianism in general, right? I see a lot of people, you know, we think we're really smart and we, you know, <laughs> we give do. out we do think this knowledge really around the way. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, we, we end up making it work because it's kind of like a enlightenment. I like to call it yeah. a little bit. So secession, I saw a tweet yeah. that you uh, you sent this week saying it seems like secession is the move. I think everyone's kind of feeling it a little bit. I've seen socialists talk about it and support it. Yeah. I think that that there's it, the the country is so geographically different. We're hating people that we never even see in our lives. Where do you and draw I, the line? Where's where's the secession? When do we do it? No, I mean I'm talking about like geographically. No, it would it would automatically dissolve to the states. Dissolve to the states. The oh, states. so each individual state. Becomes that would its... probably be so yeah. basically like what the founders. Are you talking kind of... geographically alliances? Yeah. Like Is this are... assuming that there's an opposing force trying to keep the nation together? No, because I imagine once, once 
one state decides to secede, we're we're not going. There's no civil war. We're not we're not fighting a civil war in 2020. Well, I sure do hope. I hope we don't do it because honestly, I think the easiest way to abandon ship, you know, and not cause a hellstorm is to secede. Yeah. <clears throat> what? But what do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, the Federalist perspective of this is not good. Like, obviously, the federal government is going to try to intervene. Mm-hmm. What do you see as consequences to secession? Um, I think that it's frankly kind of just ignored. Um, that's a great question. I think that it's really going to kind of uh, the last determine. Time... So, so say California secedes, sure. right? Hopefully, California decides to secede. Which, well, I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> at the precedent. That's cool. Um, California s- decides to secede, and you know. Then the government's like, hey, wait a minute. What's California doing? Then you got probably about six months of awkwardness. Right? <laughs> six months of awkwardness? Maybe less, right? Yeah. Depending on the spirit of the nation. Okay. Okay. Boom. Eastern uh, Oregon and Washington declare their, their own state. Okay. Okay. California splits into three. New York secedes. Texas secedes. Texas is likely to secede earlier. Yeah. Florida secedes. Okay. You're losing the powerhouses of the nation. Now it's going to happen, you know. So, do you see the big the big states seceding first? Then I see I see the states with attitudes seceding first. I see California okay. on the list. I see Texas on the list. I see Florida on the list. I see New York on the list. Okay, those are the major ones. But um, places New like- Hampshire. I think there's a chance New Hampshire Free State Project could be the first one. That, I mean, hypothetically, it's yeah. I think it's probably neck and neck between them, California, and Texas. Are you moving to New Hampshire if they secede first? Dude, that's a great question. I might. <laughs> but then at the same time, that is a tiny place. It is going to get jam-packed. It is. It can't handle it. I lived in New Hampshire for six six or seven years. Rough place. Yeah. I, I kind of – I really like Utah. I, I think like that, Utah a lot. I think that the, the way that the, you know, the principles of the people here, mm-hmm. uh, they're not perfect, but um, it's a good society, I yeah. think, here. And I think that um, most people are respectful and um, – we can call ourselves Deseret again without yeah the free state of Deseret getting, out of the way, getting in the way. That's what I like to call it the free state of Deseret. Yeah, I think secession is, it's cool. It just seems like. So I I have had this argument before, and I wholeheartedly believe that the United States is more divided than it was before the Civil War. Be, but the only thing is, we're all just a lot softer than people were back then, and like, they're not going to just secede, like. Do you think there has to be a reason? Well, part of the thing is like blue states don't have a huge reason to secede because the federal government is giving them what they want. In their behalf. Eh, somewhat. I mean, it depends. It depends, right? The biggest difference is what breed of Democrat is California? Is California too progressive? Because you know there's a divide between the progressives yeah. and traditional Democrats. So does California really care that much about what they're what Biden's doing? Or did they only vote for him because he's better than Trump, but they still hate within their own party? Kind of like all parties. I think it it's hard to say. I don't think progressives... So one, progressives aren't the ones that are in charge of most state governments, right? Like if you think... California, yeah. Gavin okay. Newsom is really not super progressive. He's authoritarian. He's, he's authoritarian and he's all talk. But same thing in New York. Governor Cuomo was not super um, progressive. Yeah. He just talked the talk. So the thing is, like, if, like, what would the process of secession be like? If it were put to referendum in a lot of these places, maybe the progressives would have some swing. 
But even then, they probably wouldn't because I think the progressives are just the vocal minority. Yeah. I think they're like 1% to 5% well, of the Democratic Party. I think it's a, an expanding number. Yeah. But the problem is is progressivism is always winning. Yeah. It always wins. That's how society works. Like You have to go that way. Yeah. There's no possible way. So the only way that you can do that is to change the progressive and, uh, progressive uh, agenda, yeah. which is, to me, free agency. I think that's the progressive agenda. I think us understanding and allowing each other to make our own decisions is... You think free agency is the progressive agenda? I think it should be. I think that's oh, how we're okay. going to... I think that um, the progressive agenda is not. The, right now, the right. progressive agenda is, is cultural Marxism. very, very much not yeah. free agency. But that's that's what I... That's my progressive, right? Okay. I see progressive as... Because there's always a better way to... Because you're progressive, society. looking at the political uh, compass, you're progressive in the downward direction, right? Downward towards libertarian. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I am a progressive individualist. Right. So um, I think that, you know, as a society, we look at things too much and the arbitrariness of the law and we look to law for moralities rather than, um, you know, look to victims for moralities. There was, I think there was a speaker. When was it? Somebody recently had a talk on whether we should or should not legislate morality. I think it was at FFF, but I don't remember. I did a podcast about it on Utah. You did, talk. yes. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, Tyson's up there with uh, with Free or Future Fest speakers, so I just lump him in with all of them. <laughs> so, Appreciate that. Yeah, no, that's also one of my biggest things is like the legislation of morality. And I talk to a lot of people who lean very libertarian here in Utah, and that's the one thing is they love to legislate morality. Yeah. And... That's the biggest problem of the deal. And I think that we can get past that. I do. I think that I think that particularly this is why I'm like this is why I wanted to be a part of the youth caucus. Mm-hmm. Because I truly believe that our generation we're experiencing something totally different than any of our parents did, any of our grandparents did. And I think that this is the generation as we're getting our you know, figuring out the world and this stuff, I think we're the ones that need to make the change. So I think that it's our job to pave the way for this new progressive ideology of, of individual rights and, and you know I think that we see some good signs of that. You know, tattoos are much more acceptable. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're we're really starting to become more okay uh, than we were before about um, becoming, a, you know, people respecting each other and allowing each other to be themselves and then just being okay with it. And that's yeah. like, and it's not like a crazy big example of it, but the tattoo thing, like tattoos are becoming socially acceptable because we feel like you should be able to express yourself in those artistic ways. So I think that I think that that's a plus. I think that that's you know us going in the right direction as a society for us to be able to handle individual progressive philosophy. This is Tyson's go-to example because he has liberty tattooed on his forearm. So <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of tats. <laughs> Tyson's all inked up. No, I'm not. I, I I got a few. I got like four, but he has a face tattoo. That's why we're not. Doing <laughs> that's why we're not recording video. Nashville right here. was a little too crazy. <laughs> He's got uh, he's got some appointments to get that taken care of. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and figure that out. But for the meantime, I'm gonna keep my face off the screen. <laughs> no, yeah, but I think that's just a good sign, you know. For and it's particularly kids our age. I mean, you know, our parents would have never have thought of getting tattoos at 18 years old. My when dad they were did. Our age. My dad did. And how and how many other people do you know about that? Age Not many. Did? No, I mean, well, no. I mean, my dad's friends, but this was Southern California in like the late 80s yeah so. they, they set that they set that trail a little bit yeah um yeah i know i mean granted you know my parents are a little bit more uh, conservative i guess in that area yeah but um you know my they're totally aren't. cool with me doing it but they just 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's got to be religious, but it's it probably is like, and I, what what's an even more interesting shift is my mom, who is very religious, and I mean not extremely conservative, but like traditional. She's cool with tattoos, and like she's mm-hmm. going on forty six something like that. And uh, so yeah, it's just interesting how it's it's shifting throughout all of society, not yeah. just like we're we're People kind are of starting to understand it. it. Yeah, yeah, and I th- and I think that's kind of that should be the agenda. You know, it should be expanded to more than tattoos. But man, we just need another hippie movement. Yeah, not, no, I think that's exactly. I think we're having that. You think so? Yeah, I think the crystal things and whatever. <laughs> I think it a little bit. I think I think that that you know with the spread of technology and disbelief for everything that we've been you know, told about the government and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we really have a chance to choice to just kind of do our own thing and, and make it freaking work. Like, you yeah. know, our, our generation is, um, incredibly unique. And I think that, um, we're, we're enlightened beyond other generations that are alive. I mean, we're growing up with this technology. I mean, our brains, when they're taking in the most information in our lives are surrounded with infinite information. I do think about that sometimes how, it's crazy that you just have all the answers to most of the questions you could ever have just in your pocket. Yeah. Like it's, I actually thought about getting a flip phone a little while back and I couldn't do it. Mm. I just wanted to have like less of a distraction and less of something that just wastes my time. But just how it's so nice. Like if I have a question, I was, we were looking up stuff on our phones before this, we started recording the show. That's how Mm -hmm. I uh, came up with my um, current event today. Yeah. It's just like all we are powerful beyond measure compared to any of our previous generations, like any pre- predecessors, just with just what we the tools mm-hmm. we have at our disposal. Yeah. And it's and I think it's because we had great parents. Right. I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they they worked hard to put us in this position because I think the they kind of saw it a little bit. They kind of gave it a little bit of doubt. They kind of became more logical, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. 45 minutes in look at that that's a pretty solid size episode i is there anything else you want to kind of touch over i think we got it for this week we still got yeah i mean i don't have anything else to bring up fair enough yeah that was a solid episode we got just talking about quite a few different things yeah i think uh since this one's audio only it's going to be published a little bit out of order guys so you'll get the next two episodes sometime this week or the beginning of next week um we got a new episode of the america we've been given coming out and this one's going to be in video um check it out it's with a cool guy named christian garecki starting a project called the united america movement it's going to talk to him about that see what uh, you guys can do but that's going to be at the link in our bio on our website um or just the america we've been given on all podcast platforms what do you got coming up, Tyson? Um, I got to do Utah Liberty Talk episode at some point in time. Um, I've just been not able to get around to it. Yeah. I've, but now, I've, I grant you that there's just a huge change in, you know, how I, how I, my rhythm is going to go. So yeah. Hunter helped me out some today, but uh, <laughs> uh, along with my brother and another friend. But uh, I've just been, uh, I've talked about this on Utah Liberty Talk. I just moved not too long ago. And um, so I'm just, you know, kind of working on this project house as I'm trying to do everything else. So, um it's kind of a catastrophe. So Utah yeah. Liberty Talk super personal. 
Um, you know, it's one of those things that is not um, directly connected to as many people as the other things I do. Um, it's less so connected. So, um, unfortunately, sometimes that has to be the thing that I can't do. Yeah. But um, I'm working on it. We'll get one out this week, I'm sure. That's how I am with a lot of things. Like, I've got a lot of other responsibilities. And so that's why the America we've been given has been slow lately, just because I feel like that's it's just myself. I'm not letting it down too many people by skipping that one. So it's it's hard to come up with episodes when you're not having people. It on. is, yeah. Which I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm shifting Utah or I'm not Utah. We're talking. I'm shifting the America we've been given to do a lot more interviews. Nice. Um, so we're gonna get a lot more cool people on there and just talk about things. And uh, yeah, same vibes as it's always been, but we do a little bit more um, interviewing. Good deal. Heck yeah. That's the way to do it. Well, that was, a, that was a good episode. It was a good episode. Thanks, y'all, for listening. You guys take care, y'all. Have a good one. And uh, thanks again for supporting.